HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's May 26, 2015. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. We've got a special show. We've got Vaclif from Pilsner Urkel, and we've got the publisher of a new Belgian beer and food magazine. We've got John Lapoya from uh, Bitter and Esters, and uh, we're going to have a great show tonight. Thanks to our uh, sponsor, Union Beer Distributor, supplier of world-class ales and lagers. If you have any questions, you can live-tweet us today. Maggie's there at beer underscore sessions. And remember, we're on the Heritage Radio Network. All right. We've got a great show lined up tonight. Uh, you know, John, you're over at Bitter and Esters. You guys are doing so many great tasting events, and uh, you, you've, you've brought in a special guest today. I did. Ahoya, by the way. That's hello in Czech. Um, I guess I, I did bring in uh, Vaslav uh, today because oh, yeah. uh, we've been uh, we've been working oh, with uh, Pilsner Kell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've been working with Pilsner Urkel with a couple of events that we're doing. I'm actually going to be at Radagast tonight at 7 o'clock, uh, teaching a, a Beer 101 school with them, uh, which is really a lot of fun. It's going to be a free event. So we've been doing all different sort of things. Uh, we're going to have uh, Vaslav's going to be at our store this Friday at 6 o'clock. He's going to be doing basically a meet and greet. If you want to meet the head brewer of Pilsner Urkel, he's a sixth-generation brewer. I mean, this is serious stuff here. Uh, come on down to Bitter and Esther's, 700 Washington Avenue, to come and meet him. We're going to uh, have some uh, Urkel, Urquell samples, and we're going to uh, have some pizza, too. Well, you know, John, it seemed free. like for so many years craft beer was about American IPAs. And, and it's, it's cool to see more people asking for good pilsners and lagers and going back to traditions. But you're kind of at the forefront of what you're doing with te- teaching beer classes. And you even have a series, Brew Like a Pro, where you, you make uh, versions of, of We have, actually have the breweries come to the store, yeah, and, uh, and do a, a, a brew on our uh, – we have a 15-gallon system that we do as a brew on premises. Uh, and you're, you're right. It's, uh, we, we talk a lot about American craft beer. And working with Pilsner Urquell has uh, got me to appreciate the Europeans again because they're the ones who really started it. And as far as Pilsners go, Pilsner Urquell are the ones that invented it. It's like <laughs> – it's really uh, amazing, such a uh, 
a, a great beer. I really revisited a lot of the uh, European styles beer uh, by doing these events. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey, uh, everybody who are listening to radio, uh, where we are sitting now, Heritage. Love having you on, man. It's good yeah. to have you back. Uh, I'm quite happy that uh, I'm here again because last year we talked uh, here about the beer as well. And uh, we started talking about craft breweries. And I think it's a nice story, nice, nice history. If I look back to to history of city Pilsen and history of Pilsen Urkel, because it was uh, date 1295, uh, end of 13th century, when King Wenzel II delegated to all citizens, it was about 300 buildings in city Pilsen, privilege brewed the beer. And I would say it was foundation of craft brewing or home brewing activities because each building in Pilsen brewed the beer, sometimes more successfully, sometimes not so good. That's great, man. Well, we're drinking um, a special version of, of the Pilsner. Um, I know you brought some guys with you. Why don't you guys introduce yourself, too, because you got you got a great sales team here. Um, my name is James. I'm a uh, trade quality manager with Brian over here. And we know Brian because he won uh, – what was that comp- contest you won? You're like the best bartender in the world or something. <clears throat> Beer in part? 2012, it was the uh, International Master Bartender Competition, and that's how I got hooked up with Pilsner, Raquel, and I became a trade quality manager, and essentially uh, what that really means is they send us to school to become beer merchants, and we become certified master draft technicians, and um, we just try to make sure that people all over our region, the Northeast region, and we have other members um, in the country, in California, and in Chicago, is that we are trying to get uh, establishments and retailers to uphold the standards that we uh, the, that we were taught that would, and serve the beer the you know the high quality way that it was served in the Czech Republic. So that's basically it. All right, it's great. And one thing we also have um, another guest, Paul Walsh. He's got a Belgian beer and food magazine, and it's just starting to come to the U.S. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much. Yes. Um I, I, uh, I've lived in Belgium for 10 years. Uh, I'm from Ireland, um, and it's an interesting time for us because we're actually launching the magazine in the U.S., and we have an event um, tomorrow evening at uh, Belgian Beer Café on Fifth Avenue, um, and it's really our market. We, we're a sort of group of English-speaking people who live in Belgium. Rob, our photographer, is here as well, and we thought that we were very well positioned to communicate the stories about Belgian beer and Belgian breweries and a bit of the history to an international audience. That's really what we focus on in the magazine. Well, that's great. We've got a lot to cover tonight. Uh, we started talking about craft breweries, and uh, here are very interesting people who brew the beer or teach uh, how brew the, this beer. And I think uh, they will confirm me, and this is very important. If you will brew the beer at home, if you will brew the beer in uh, pub brewery, if you will brew the beer in bigger brewery, very important is caring about quality, and this is our way. I think there is no important size of brewery, but caring about uh, brewing, caring about quality, and add to brewing a piece of your heart. I agree completely. <laughs> and Paul, we were talking earlier too. You're, so you're the same kind of thing where it's like you've got these traditions of, of brewing, then you have you know modern technology, but it, but in, in Europe. What were you saying? You're saying that... Well, I was saying that the, the distinction between craft beer and sort of industrial mass-produced beer is much easier to make in the United States, where you really had a craft beer tradition that developed, 
30, 40 years ago, um, and which was contrasted with the big international breweries. In Europe, and certainly in Belgium, it's much more of a grey area. There's not craft and non-craft, good and bad. There are good breweries which are very big, and there are good breweries that are very small. So it's just more difficult to make the distinction, I think. And you think this, the same kind of thing in the rest of Europe, too? Uh, in the rest of Europe, is it so that, uh, of course, craft brewing is growing, and we supported it because... Uh, uh, it helped to create on the market uh, uh, more brands and to Czech Republic is coming back what we practically forgot uh, when we started Brut uh, Lager in 1842 and this lager was so popular that it started to be uh, or start spread across the whole world and uh, if I look to ales uh, which are um, more common brands brewing in home brewing because the process is a little bit easier and fermentation by higher temperature. This is this is beer which was brewed in these Bohemian breweries with, uh, which I mentioned for 700 years before. So much history. It's amazing. I mean, you're talking about 700 years ago. I'd, I don't remember that far. <laughs> And, and this is the reason Vaclav does. This is the reason why I, I he has uh, historical I like, memory. I would like empowered all home brewers uh, uh, to to care about the beer because uh, Pilsner citizens started as a home brewers in this year what I mentioned, 1295. And if you will be so uh, intensive in training, brewing quality. You should be like Pilsner. Okay. We should ask him some tough questions now. Sure. All right. You know, Pilsner style is one of the hardest to brew, uh, to get right, right? I mean, that's how, as far as homebrewers, that's the one style that they all want to know. They want to get it perfect. It should be crisp. It should be clean. It should be just right. Yeah, and, it's absolutely it's true hard. because uh, by ales you use for meshing infusion, and we... Uh, by brewing lagers, we use one, uh, two, or three meshes. Personal use for meshing three meshes, uh, and this is a little bit complicated to play the game uh, in the kitchen with, uh, with so many vessels. And fermentation is done by very low temperature. Uh, of course, personal care is a little bit different because we have special type of yeast. And it's not so deep fermented because we don't brew the beer for alcohol, but for taste. Let's ask some tough questions. John, you have some too. Okay. <laughs> At what age did you first work in a brewery? Me? Yes. Oh, I started as a trainee uh, and beginner. And uh, after one year of this trainee process, uh, I recognized practically all breweries which, was, which belongs to Pilsner Orkel because... Uh, it was uh, seven breweries, and size of the breweries was uh, similar, like like current craft breweries, not so big, fifty, sixty thousand hectoliters, and uh, there the people were doing all activities. Uh, first day in brew house, and next day in fermentation room, and then in maturation, uh, all position, and I uh, then I spent five years as a cell master and it was huge school for me because uh, maturation of personal care is an unbelievable process and you finalize and fine tune uh, the taste of personal care and because in this cellars was still uh, filling of the barrels 
I still remember the moments when we filled the beer and on the uh, on the barrel was written sent to New York. Wow, it was great, <laughs> crazy moment for us because we were uh, uh, behind the Iron Curtain, and I said, I never see this beautiful city, and I'm here. You were wrong. You're seeing it now. It's true. And what, what what was it like under the Iron Curtain? I mean, how were you able to keep making beer? Uh, I'm not sure whether was it uh, positive or negative because uh, because uh, after Second World War and thanks guys for uh, liberation of Pilsen because it was American guys. I was there. John was there. Yeah, my dad was there. Thank you for it. Uh, we continued and uh, uh, brewery started to be owned by government and government didn't invest to brewery and was reason why we still hold. Uh, in this brewery, wooden vats for fermentation and wooden barrels for maturation. And maybe it was a beautiful moment for us because we don't change nothing. And this is the main rule what I heard from uh, previous brewmasters. Please change nothing. Uh, continue with same ingredients, continue with same process. You can modernize equipment if you will have a money for it, but uh, don't change the process uh, because it could change the taste of the beer, and this is not good. Václav, I have a question, and I, I was searching on, online. Pilsner is the only beer that Pilsner Urquell makes, just that one beer, right? There's, you don't have any other... Styles coming out of the brewery? Ah, uh, Pilsner Urquell, uh, uh, this name Pilsenski Prazdro, is uh, just check translation of Pilsner Urquell, uh, is uh, created from four breweries now. Pilsner Urquell, second brand is Gambrinus, uh, then we have nearby Prague, uh, Velko Popovitsky Kozel. And in North Moravia, we have uh, brewery Radegast. You have here Radegast Hall, we, we visited it yesterday. And uh, in Pilsner Urquell, we brewed only Pilsner Urquell. But in other breweries, we, of course, brewed another brands, another lagers, oh. uh, and other special beers, because uh, in, uh, as well in Czech is the time for, for growing specialties. And we do it. We do it under other brand names. Yeah. Okay. That's what I think. What about this pills that we're drinking now? This is a little different. Uh, uh, this one, what uh, we have on the table, is special because uh, it's unfiltered, unpasteurized, and it's very close to beer, uh, which was born in this year, 1842, because in this time, the beer was not filtered and not pasteurized. Later, I read it in uh, our historical chronics, uh, there is written, under pressure of uh, competition, uh, competition fight, we should uh, buy one filter and part of our production we should filter. Uh, it's a pity because unfiltered beer content, complex of uh, all vitamins, uh, B and more uh, active compounds. And uh, we now, <clears throat> this unfiltered beer, we have it. In, for whole year in one pub in Pilsen uh, named Naparkanu and then we have it in the cellars because uh, when we started change fermentation and maturation equipment to stainless steel tanks uh, we were worried about change of taste and it was reason why we let there one department 
where we still make a fermentation in wooden vats, 27 hectoliters, and maturation in big barrels, 40 hectoliters. And the reason for it is that we have daily chance to compare test taste uh, of the beer from wooden and from stainless steel, and thanks God, uh, is the same. Wow. Oh, by the way, a uh, uh, hectoliter is 26 gallons. Right? Is that what it is? is that's what it is, yeah. <laughs> and then, John, so you're, you're, you're leading a Pilsner-making workshop soon, or you got a homebrew competition for uh, We Pils? have a homebrew competition uh, that uh, Pilsner & Kell is uh, uh, sponsoring. We're having homebrewers make Pilsners. Now, we allowed them to make Czech, German... Uh, bohemian or, or American style pilsners because most of the light beers that are in America are pilsners. Are, we're supposed to be pilsners, but we're allowing them to do that. Uh, that competition is full. Uh, we gave them until July because uh, it takes a long time to make a, a proper pilsner. And um, we'll see who makes the best pilsner in Brooklyn's uh, homebrewing community. That's going to be fun. I was twice as a judge uh, for this homebrewing competition in the past two years. And uh, I tasted really, really excellent beer that I remember. And uh, the winner from San Francisco, uh, this lady, uh, visited Pilsen. I brewed with this lady uh, beer or one brew in our small brewery for one hectoliter, uh, 100 liters. And the lady latest was uh, announced as a best home brewer of U.S. It's a great. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Very hey, cool. we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. L. Knife & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Coming back. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, our Kickstarter was successful. We're going to have a new website. Jack Inslee, great job. Aaron Fairbanks, Allison Hamlin. We love being on the Heritage Radio Network. There's some great new shows. My favorite show, of course, Beer Sessions Radio, but I'm a big fan of uh, a lot of the other ones, too. Cooking Issues is a great one, and uh, Cutting the Curd is always good, talking about cheese. So um, keep listening, heritageradionetwork.org. All right, so we got a special show here. Vasklov, Vaklov, Vasklov, <laughs> our uh, master brewer from Pilsner Urquell is here a second time on our show. It's great to have you. John Lapolia is talking about La Polia, La Polia. La Polia. Talking about a, home, a Pilsner homebrew competition. And I think that's when I first met uh, Brian. You, you, you're like the master bartender of the world. A couple years ago, there was a big... Uh, <laughs> Pilsner Urquell sponsored another homebrew competition we were at, I think at Radagast. And Josh Mercy was uh, 
was involved. So it's pretty it's pretty smart of you guys to to to, to promote homebrew competitions, uh, to you know along the style of beer that you're known for. I think that's a, I think that's really engaging the community. I, mean, I definitely think the people that are homebrewing are the m- most interested beer people right now. Oh yeah, yeah, they're the ones drinking the most. That's for sure. So, John, tell us about Friday night. If you're listening now, this Friday at uh, Bitter and Esther's somewhere in Brooklyn. Uh, Vaslav's going to come. I've been excited to meet him. I was very excited to meet him today. Uh, he's going to come to the store uh, from 6 to 8 and uh, just got some pizzas, some beers. It's going to be uh, pretty mellow. Just uh, meet the, you know, just the guy who's the head, sixth, only the sixth head brewer of Pilsner or Cal. So it's like pretty amazing. Uh, you get to talk to him. Talk to him about Pilsner. I mean, who else are you going to talk and to? And practice about your check. Pilsner? And to practice your check, yeah. Say ahoy to him. Well, give us a couple of words of, of check, Vasily. The uh, most important word for us is pivo. Pivo, <laughs> don't forget it. Because it's beer. And uh, we split it in check. Uh, we have small one, Mari pivo. And big one, Velky pivo. Yeah, it's uh, you don't need nothing else. Uh, like that one, big, <laughs> yeah. big one. Like, yeah, <laughs> and, John, and, what do you what do you guys? And, are you and, serving either one, the little people or the and, big people? And still, <laughs> still uh, useful for you will be once more. Yes, uh, or no. Yes, What does that mean? I want a big beer. Yes, or no. Well, keep people. Yes, or no. Well, another guy. We, we got Paul from the Belgian Beer and Food Magazine, which is launching in in New York, and. Tell us about Belgian pills. You know, we're talking about there's craft breweries in, in the U.S., but you know, I don't want to talk about Stella because that's not really a beer. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to make any comment on that. Um, but yes, um, I think it's something that's not really appreciated that 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 well that Belgium does actually have some good pilsners as well. And of course, it came from the influence of the Czech and the German pilsners. And before the First World War, German pilsners were extremely popular, but it was. And there were German bars in many parts of Belgium as well. Um, but, but after the First World War and then with the Second World War as well, um, Belgian breweries started making their own pilsners. And, of course, there are some which are quite good, some which are, are really not that good, and maybe the ones that are more well-known give Belgian pilsners a bad name. But um, there are some small breweries um, making good pilsners. Saison, um, Dupont. Uh, the Pompery, they make a very nice pilsner called Red Ore, which is really not distributed that much, but it's got this character that you won't find in some of the, the other pilsners. And as well as that, um, we also have this unfiltered pilsner. Hacked make the ver- a very nice uh, unfiltered pilsner that, like Pilsner Urquell, you can only find that one particular bar just beside the Hacked Brewery. Um, the problem, of course, is that it doesn't have a long shelf life. So if you want it, you have to drink it fresh, but... I think, um, like these guys are saying, without the filtration, uh, without the pasteurization, it makes um, a huge difference. I, I think you, you mentioned uh, freshness of the beer, and this is very important for us because uh, uh, lagers, or mainly Pilsner, is very sensitive for caring about the beer, and this is the reason uh, why we recommend consume this beer as soon as is possible, and best way is uh, to drink it uh, immediately in the in the maturation cellars. Uh, by the way, this is the reason why I working there for 34, 35 <laughs> years. Uh, and uh, fresh beer and freshness, uh, this is a very important point for us. And we started delivered to many bars. Uh, in Czech Republic, uh, it's more than 700 bars. 
uh, when we deliver the beer in big tank as fresh as is possible. This is unfiltered, unpasteurized beer, which is going straight from the brewery to to the bar, to the restaurant, and uh, uh, what is else on this beer? The beer is brewed absolutely on the same way like other beer in cakes or bottles, but uh, different is freshness. Because this beer is going direct from brewery to the bar in idle condition uh, by proper temperature and caring about the beer uh, is in this bar excellent. And because uh, the popularity of this beer is growing, we started with uh, expedition of this beer to countries which are located around the Czech, Czech Republic. Uh, we started uh, with tank beer in Slovakia. We continue to Austria. Uh, then uh, next bars are in London. There is four big uh, tank bars uh, direct in London and another one in Cambridge. We have tank uh, bar uh, in Ireland. Uh, we have two bars in Berlin and and number of these bars is growing and are very popular. And I mentioned it because we have in front of us uh, very nice bottles where is uh, important for example maturation in the bottle or uh, second fermentation and as I mentioned already personal alcohol is uh, the best as fresh as it po- as is possible but because uh, it's not so through fermented and this is maybe answer for for people who would like to brood it uh, we have there more residual extract, only 4.4 ABV, a uh, higher portion of bitter compounds. And both these compounds, residual extract and, and uh, bitter compounds from the hops, are very sensitive for light and for uh, long-term storage and for, for temperature. And this is the reason why we, for example, founded a uh, master bartender competition and Brian is the winner for US uh, where we train the people through this popular form uh, how care about the beer don't damage it. You're right. I know you're serious about beer, but uh, James, your rep, where did this growler of the unfiltered, unpasteurized Pilsner Quail come from? Uh, this came from Torst. So we this had an, is amazing. We had an event at Torst last night. Um, there's about 30 people, and I've never seen a room so silent for a good hour, hour and a half as Voss talked. And, uh, so how, how did they get that unfiltered, unpasteurized keg in New York City? Uh, I fly with uh, a plane and was sitting on this keg. <laughs> it's, it's not so uh, beautiful like in the airplane chair, but uh, what I uh, can do for personal care, I will do it. <laughs> so we should you just sit on all the kegs. Yeah. They'll, they'll taste better. It's transported by <laughs> oh, yeah. airplane, of course. And Johnny, so... In your competition to make the homebrew, are there any guidelines for the pills? Uh, we want them to stick to the uh, Brewers Judge Certification Program uh, guidelines, the BJCP guidelines for each beer style. So we just it has to be a pilsner, which actually brings me to a question I want to ask you, uh, Vaslav. Uh, how do you define a pilsner? Uh, I mean, pilsners are light lagers, but like if someone said to you, what is a pilsner, exactly what are we looking for when we're, when we're tasting it? I think describing uh, Pilsner beer is uh, very nice in, uh, in rules uh, which are set for uh, this biggest American taste competition, World Beer Cup. Uh, and thanks God, because uh, we were, and my colleagues, of, of course, from Czech Republic, 
We were a few times uh, as a judges in this competition. And uh, during this uh, few years, uh, where are uh, in this competition category of Pilsner style or Czech Pilsner style, uh, we with this team Czech judges uh, tuned and finalized a uh, real description of the of the beer and I think it's very well described in this uh, in these uh, parameters which are for this world beer uh, competition. But for people listening, what would you say was just general? Mm. What, what is a Pilsner? General, uh, uh, it's described as a light lager, uh, pale lager, uh, don't through fermented with higher portion of residual extract with nice bitterness. And if I look to color, the color is a little bit uh, uh, darker, about uh, 12 EBC than other lighter beer. Yeah, it's, uh, this is typical for uh, mainly for Pilsner or Kel, but uh, for the Czech beers as well, because uh, Czech beer, if we look to parameters, is uh, exactly in these parameters what I mentioned, a uh, little bit higher bitterness, not so through fermented beer, a uh, little bit higher kaya, uh, k- color, is uh, differentiated in comparison for other Pilsner which are produced or brewed in Europe or in the rest of the world. And it was reason why we let, uh, uh, with help of Czech Brewing and Malting Association, uh, protecting geographical indication Czech beer. And uh, there is described that Czech beer is brewed in area which is plus minus described by uh, Board of Czech Republic. Uh, they should use. Uh, uh, volume uh, at least 80% of Czech malt produced from Czech varieties of barley. They uh, have similar parameters for hop. Uh, they should use meshing, one, two, or three meshing process, and uh, they should make a separate fermentation and separate maturation, no single, uh, single tank. And uh, fermentation and maturation is done by a lower temperature. And this is uh, descri- description of this Czech beer, uh, Pilsner style, I would say. And of course, there are still analytical parameters in which ranges should uh, be uh, each parameter to have the possibility to uh, have on the label uh, seal Czech uh, European Union and, and Czech uh, beer as a protective geographical indication. Well, that's and, great. And of course, our brands uh, has the label there. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I can't believe I'm sitting with you, Vaslov. There's so <laughs> much. I know there's so much you want to say. I'm going to quick jump over to Paul from. Uh, what, what did you pour for us, Paul, from Belgian Food and Beer Magazine? Yeah, so I brought the, I brought two beers. But the first beer that we're drinking now is the um, Saison Saint Fouillon. Um, and that's actually the beer that we're going to be having at our event tomorrow night. Um, Saison is a very interesting style um, because the definition is pretty loose. And I think that's been one of the reasons that it's become a, a sort of style that's very popular for American brewers and for brewers in, uh, in the United Kingdom as well. There's not a strict definition. It's more to do with where the beer comes from and the story behind how why this beer was brewed. And really it was a seasonal farmhouse beer um, made for big farms and made for the workers of those farms um, with the grain that was left over from the harvest. So it's really a 
Pierre de Terroir is what they call it. And um, you'll find saisons in many different styles. You'll find darker saisons, sweeter saisons. But I think that the archetype is Saison Dupont. Um, which is a, a, a blonde, um, slight, medium alcohol, 6% alcohol, um, uh, refreshing, dry beer. And Saison Saint-Fillon uh, certainly follows in, in that type of direction. Yeah, we, we interviewed the, the owner last year yeah. from Saint-Fillon. Um, this one thing about Saisons is they tend to be fermented warm. Yeah, uh, sometimes up to ninety degrees. So it's something that uh, homebrewers, especially back to homebrewing with me, um, make during the summer. Yeah. We, we sell saison yeast like crazy, and it's just it's the exact opposite of pilsner or quell because yeah. that has to be fermented very cool. Yeah. I just want to tell you that I'm I'm, it's, I'm really proud of you, Paul. That I'm looking at a copy of your magazine. It, it's nice. I like to have a magazine that's in print. Yes, it's, it's nice to feel it. There's beautiful photography. Belgian Beer and Food Magazine will be launching in the United States. Yes, thank you. We got a party this week in New York City. So, yeah, we got a party. What we have, in fact, is a distribution agreement with Books a Million, um, which is an important step for us because really our market is people in the United States, you guys. People are passionate about beer. And the reason that we started the magazine is because we felt that. one of the great selling points, like with Pilsner or Quell, is the history and the story. I mean, you don't have that so much in the United States. And now the quality of beer in the United States is, is really improving. So I think the Belgian brewers and Czech brewers, European brewers, really need to push that story. And you're right. And people are definitely interested in, in old styles and traditions. And hey, we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Jack, we don't need AC in the studio because we've got European guests tonight, and you know they don't have AC in Europe. You know, well, we've got this cool beer. I mean, that's really oh, you do. That's, that's, that's all we need. <laughs> so you had a good question, Paul, for the home brewers. Yeah, well, one thing that I hear from Belgian brewers, and I'm not a home brewer myself, um, but when they speak about Pilsner, they they generally say that it's one of the hardest, if not the hardest, beers to brew because the flavor profile is quite clean. So that if there's a brewing fault it really stands out so what's your question so do you agree with that I do and uh Especially with uh, a proper Czech Pilsner, like Pilsner Quell, um, it goes through a three-step mash. It goes through three decoctions where you take out a portion of the mash, basically you boil it and you add it back to the mash to uh, bring the uh, temperature up. One thing that I found out about Pilsner Quell, which I didn't know, is that they actually malt their own grains, yeah. which is pretty hardcore. And then they have they do that decoction because they undermodify the malt. It's kind of nerdy. And then um, they do... A, a triple decoction, and then once they're done making the mash, uh, making the wort and doing the boil and adding their hops, uh, they then have to ferment very cool. And for homebrewers, a cool fermentation requires some sort of chamber. I mean, same for breweries, but breweries have jackets and stuff to do that. Uh, something I wanted to ask you, Vasco, was um, 
your yeast pitch, I was reading, it seems to be very high. Do you add a lot of yeast? It was a half a liter to a hectoliter, uh, right? Yeah, <clears throat> uh, it's very interesting. And, Sorry, uh, nerdy. You described very nice uh, how we brew the beer. Uh, I will add uh, a little bit of details for it uh, because it's not only meshing and we do this meshing in copper kettle uh, which is direct heated uh, with open flame and uh, this is uh, in the kitchen uh, very hard to copy it. And this open flame, which is be below the kettle, uh, copper kettle, is very important because uh, how we do uh, by the meshing uh, these simple sugars and prepare it for, for yeast. Uh, these sugars are a little bit caramelized on the wall of this uh, copper kettle. And this is the reason uh, why personal is a little bit golden in color and uh, has a little bit caramel tones uh, in taste. And uh, you mentioned uh, ingredients, malt. Uh, this is very important as well because we, from beginning, uh, from foundation of the brewery to nowadays, uh, we prepare uh, the malt uh, on our own malting plant. And uh, this is very important because we produce a little bit low modified malt and uh, this own production is exactly uh, what we need uh, to our meshing process. It's combination. And uh, what is important on the end, we brewmasters, we could say uh, which temperature we use for uh, which mesh, uh, how we make a fermentation or maturation. But we forgot to say you that we add there a little bit our body, a little bit our heart, and this is leading to. That's this why place. you were sitting. You were sitting on the keg on the airplane. It made yeah, it taste better. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, <laughs> guys, you guys are doing a lot of things this week. So tell us more about this Taurus last night. Uh, so Taurus was uh, an integration with Voss talking about Pilsner with people that care about beer. And we feel Torst uh, really represents beer in an amazing way in the region. And um, to be there and to highlight it with those guests, it was great. But what we're also doing with John at Bitters and Esters is offering um, a free beer school uh, to the consumer. So I used to work at Eataly. Uh, I helped open the Chicago brewery um, with Sam and everyone over there. And what was really big about Eataly was education. And so we trained 600 people about beer for free and before they got hired. Um, and so I took that energy and brought it to Pilsner. And beyond Pilsner, I want Pilsner to be the forefront of training people about beer for free. I think that, you know, if they can get the base knowledge, and we have all these styles and so many SKUs that are coming into the market, but the, the, the education part of it, I think, is sometimes left out with the consumer. So we're bringing all these brands out with all these crazy labels and styles, but we're not, you know, educating them on it. So hopefully we can bring that to a forefront. Uh, I think it's incredibly stuff. important educating the drinkers. Yeah, absolutely. The, 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 and end users. You know, and you know, I hopefully drawing them back into bitters and esters and some other places, but just to learn more about beer uh, that way. Well, this is this is great beer. I mean, unfiltered, unpasteurized. I mean, I think when we were talking about craft earlier. That's what we we hope for. We want to get beer in that state as as fresh as possible, as local as possible. And how can you guys, as, as a, you know, even though you're based in Czech, you're an international company, how can you get this unpasteurized, unfiltered beer into the hands of more, you know, consumers? Uh, I think our guys uh, will find a way uh, how we will do it. And uh, if uh, it will take, of course, uh, a few months, maybe years, uh, 
Uh, first, uh, what we did, uh, it's uh, two years ago, uh, we started with cool distribution, cool transport of personal workers to U.S., means all containers, uh, uh, doesn't matter whether bottles, cans, or cakes, are transported in active uh, cooled container by temperature 4 to 5 degrees Celsius. Uh, there is no change in taste, and uh, the the quality of the beer dramatically changed one step ahead uh, after uh, implementation this uh, this process. And another possibility how uh, how you can reach uh, this unfiltered, unpasteurized beer, please come to Pilsen. Very simple, <laughs> uh, because we will show it the brewery. We will uh, let you taste from this wooden barrel direct in cellars. Uh, of the brewery, or if you will visit Prague, uh, Brian, have you been to Prague? I have. I was there. Uh, I was there for the competition at the breweries in Pilsen, and then I went to Prague afterwards. But um, for the first time, when I was involved in the competition, they actually shut the brewery down for um, about thirty-six hours, which was pretty funny. After the competition. On the very last day that we had the the celebration and the blessing of the beer, which they do annually on on their anniversary, they had started production at 12 a.m. that morning, and we were all in there at 8 a.m., and it was about 110 degrees in there. So we were all dressed up trying to look pretty for the crowds because there's so many people show up for the blessing of the beer, and everybody was just sweating bullets. So we try not to be in the brewery. If I I do go out to to Prague, what are a couple of the, the bars that are serving this fresh uh, unfiltered Pilsner Well, in, in Pilsen, all the Pilsner Raquel, is, it's just the freshest in the world. I mean, you can walk into a bar um, and drink Pilsner Raquel that's six days old, and, and then they have some really, really um, some some special uh, tanks of beer, which they call the uh, Tankovna, is that right? And um, and that beer literally is, is just shipped in a truck and then dressed, uh, you know, directly transported into a tank. And sometimes um, what they're doing over different parts of Europe is they're actually just transporting, uh, you know, like 100-liter um, 100, 100 tanks, or, or the size varies a little bit, but, and then they just drop that tank off and, and put it into a special container and serve it direct from there. But that beer has touched no oxygen. Sometimes it's served in a bladder, and the bladder is compressed from the outside, but it literally... In Pilsen and Prague, it is it is the the freshest beer. And everywhere I went, when you when you look at other brands in Pilsen and also in Prague, Pilsner Urquell has it's just signage everywhere because the people of the Czech Republic believe in the brand so much. It just dwarfs every other brand over there. It's really it's it's, it's interesting to see. And uh, I, I could uh, make you uh, one another a recommendation for, uh, how to catch uh, this uh, unfiltered. Oh, no, no, sorry, unpasteurized beer from tank, uh, because many of you probably will visit uh, Expo uh, in Milano, uh, in Italy, and we have there a nice bar uh, where we send the beer in tanks as well, and we drink about one tank a day, it's uh, more than 1,000 beer uh, in Czech Pavilion, and uh, for example, you ask me about Prague, we have there the bar which served the beer only one year uh, shorter time than we produce Pilsner Urquell. There is the bar named Upinkasu, uh, which uh, were, was opened uh, 1843, and from this time without break served only Pilsner Urquell. But there is many of uh, new tank beer, modern one, uh, and uh, if you will 
go around the bar and see beer from tank Chesky, another uh, learning pivo stanku this is exactly what you are looking for you know th- that is so great you, you said so many things and and I'm, i really appreciate that you're on the show Let, let's let's wrap it up with uh, paul from the belgian uh, food and beer magazine so one thing i noticed about your magazine is that you're really covering so many belgian brands some of which i haven't seen in, in the states but some i have yeah that, that's true i mean um like with pilsner okwell the the best way to experience belgian beer is to go there and discover these these brands for yourself discover these beers for yourself that's what we want to emphasize too tourism is a big part of what we're trying to promote and there's no substitute for that really and so we're we're really happy to write about beers that you can't find in the US i think our readers uh, want some of the, want, want that so sort of information the, what's the last year that you brought well many this, of us know it this is this is um one of the, the, the most well-regarded beers in Belgium. This is Rodenbach Vintage. And if we have time, I, I'd really like to ask Vaslav what he thinks of this beer. And just before we get into that, I think it's so nice to be here with him because we have, we have um, in craft beer an emphasis on making a new beer, a new beer every week or a new beer every month, which is great and exciting and innovative. But it's so nice to focus on making one good beer or a few good beers and making it well. But with that in mind, I, I'd just like you to tell me what you think of these beers, because it's quite different from what you do. Yeah, uh, I think it's a great beer. And uh, we opened uh, the eyes and uh, the doors for this type of beer in Czech Republic as well. And... Uh, uh, Rodenblock, the, the Flemish Sour. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but we are a little bit different country, because we have the consumption of 145 liters per capita. And most in the world, yeah, and and habit uh, for drinking in Czech, but it could be changed. Uh, nobody knows. Either the guys are going to the bar and uh, start with one brand and finish with same brand. Uh, instead, this beer, uh, I could couldn't imagine to sit there and drink five, six no, more no, bottles. No, no. Uh, I think I think that's very important. It's, it's specialty, a, yeah. and that's that's a real. Uh, background to our magazine as well it's a different way to drink and experience beer and that's what you see in belgium the culture around it is so important drinking slowly drinking with food sipping it appreciating it that's one of the things that makes belgium different and different and it's something that's catching on as well oh personal okay you can uh, drink slow yeah, drink as well eh? and and for example to recognize another styles uh, i came yesterday uh, to new york And my first steps led to Stone Street uh, because this is beautiful street for me. Uh, I moved from one side to another one and tried a little bit samples. Uh, and uh, now my eyes looked and I saw Pilsnerka. It was great for me to find in this type of street, like it's Stone Street. Masas, t- t- just talk to us in Czech for a few. Tell us about your trip to New York in Czech. Já jsem vyrazil do Spojených států proto, abych se podíval, jak se tady v Americe čepuje pivo, jak se starají o kvalitu. A vy, který mě slyšíte a posloucháte v česky, tak věřte, že budeme dělat všechno proto, abyste tady pili stejný pivo, jako my pijeme v Plzni a já vám to garantuju. Děkuju. Uh, hey, 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 Radio Heritage. John, it's like a I song. Totally agree, it's yeah. beautiful, man. All right. You guys, this has been a special show, and we're going to go back and listen to this again and again. I really am pushing you guys. You should send more of these unpasteurized, 
unfiltered kegs of Pilsner Kello over here. Right, John? Amazing stuff. Yeah. And then Friday night, what? You can meet him at your spot. Friday night, we're going to uh, be at Bitter Nestor, 700 uh, Washington Avenue. I just also want to say goodbye to uh, one of my employees, Bobby, who's uh, going to open a brewery down in New Orleans. He's opening Flat Boat Brewery. To- he's leaving tomorrow. Awesome place. So Bitter Nestor is one of the... the Heartbeats of craft beer in New York City. And Paul, welcome to New York. And again, uh, you're launching your magazine. What's the name again? Belgian Beer and Food. We're at Belgian Beer Cafe. They call it Noma, Noma but you told me not to but call it But the magazine. That. The magazine, Belgian Beer and Food. Um, and we have um, still five sp- spaces available um, tomorrow night. So if your listeners want to come along, they can just send me an email, paul at belgianbeerandfood.com. We've got some great food. We've got some great beer. It's a nice, it looks like a, a, a beer advocate style print magazine, but Thank you. With a lot of be- it's beautiful. Okay. Your photographer's here. Yeah, he's over there. What's his name again? That's that, that's Rob. Um, he takes all of the all of the photography in the magazine. It's very important to present it well. The visual aspect of Belgian beer is very important. Great times. Well. It really blew me away with this uh, unpasteurized, unfiltered Pilsner Cal. I'd like to thank our sponsors at Union Beer Distributors have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to John Vaslav. Paul, Brian, and James for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Maggie Seiden and Justin Kennedy, and to our engineer, Jack Kinsley. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.